discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Ding Hung in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, your voice matters, and we want to hear it in our heart-to-heart segment. Got a question? Something you're itching to share? Fire up that voice memo and hit us up at EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com. And, all right, folks, imagine this. There's a new button on your keyboard that's supposed to be like having a mini robot assistant under your fingertips. Yes, Microsoft has just added an AI assistant key. It's like having a genie in the bottle, but instead, it's in your keyboard. How cool is that? Okay, Huyang, pump the brakes on the hype train for a second. Could it just be another button to accidentally hit during your gaming marathons? We'll find out. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Xiaoyuzhou, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. We are Roundtable China across the podcast board. Now, let's have a moment of heart to heart. You ask. We answer. Roundtable. Heart to heart. Who's got a question for Roundtable? Hey, Roundtable team. It's Luna here, reaching out to you from the coastal city of Xiamen. I'm a huge fan of your show. It helps me relax after a long day. Lately, I found myself grappling with a perplexing issue related to interpersonal relationships. You know, the MBTI test is quite trendy these days, right? Well, I took it. And no surprise. I'm an introverted person. I really enjoy spending time alone, but it seems like most of my colleagues are extroverted. And whenever they get together, chatting and laughing away, I feel a little bit like an odd one out. Is it common for introverted individuals to be perceived as less popular, or should I try to be more outgoing? By the way, I'm curious about your MBTI personalities and how you would handle this kind of situation. I hope you guys see my message and can share some insights. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much, Luna from Xiamen, I believe. And I hear you've been pondering your results from the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator or MBTI test, which we have devoted half of a show talking about last year. So do look up our archives if you wanna have a listen. And you're feeling a little boxed in by that introvert label somehow. Okay, guys. So do you care to share your MBTI test results and also offer a response to our lovely listener Luna? Dinghong, let's go to you first. Yeah, so I have done my MBTI tests as well. I think I had my test done、uh, sometime last year in 2023. <laughs> so the result、uh, shown at the time was ISTJ, namely introverted sensation, thinking, and judgment.、Um, in general, people with this particular result are said to be orderly, pragmatic. Careful, rules-based. The downside is a lack of、uh, flexibility, for example, and a lack of、uh, imagination. That's the downside. So I think just like you, Luna, I am also an 
introverted person, according to this test results. And actually, based on my knowledge in this regard, you really need to have a correct understanding of introvert because an introverted person doesn't necessarily refer to a person that is not outgoing. Rather, it means you tend to cultivate or nurture your inner mental strength through being alone, being with yourself, or engaging with your own heart, your own mentality. Right. So some introverted people are actually very good at socializing with other people. It's just that process of socializing with other people will cost them their their mental energy, and then they need to. Somehow refill their mental energy by being alone with themselves. So my sense is that we really need to accept who we are. If you don't want to socialize with people, if you don't want to stay with people all the time, let it be throughout your own whole life. Probably you only need a couple of really, really genuine friends because most people will finally end up becoming passersby in your life. That's the reality. Hmm. Yes, I think that's a few good points for people to ponder on. And thank you very much for sharing your test results as well, Dinghong. What about you, Josh? What are your test results? And I know you um you have some different thoughts about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm. I don't have any test results because I. I guess I must admit I'm incredibly skeptical of the MBTI、mm. test. I think that. Its purpose, really, if you look at its purpose, it's we always want to discover ourselves, right? And we want to know more about ourselves. And I think it must be something to do with human nature to want to be able to define oneself and understand who we are. And I think that this test has sort of come some distance away from what its original purpose was, which I think most of it is about employment. If you look at the purpose of the MBTI test, it's more about Team dynamics. It's for management. It's for career development. It's for recruiters and things like this. And yeah, there is a degree about it that's about self-discovery and self-awareness. But I think we have to be really careful here because, as you said, Heyang, when you just started out, ha- has she been boxed in or limited by this label of being a quote-unquote introvert? I think that we have to remember that personality is extremely complex and dynamic, and it's also subject to change. Um, and we even have all this terminology like introverted extrovert, right?、Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that that this is wrong, but what it says to me is is that we've hardly scratched the surface when it comes to defining personality. I think in the field of psychology, especially, we've really just started to scratch the surface with this. It's incredibly complex. And so I would just, on a po- more positive note,、um, to respond to this heart to heart, I think that. If you are an introvert, I, I wouldn't worry too much because I think that the term introvert is really multifaceted and extremely general.、Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't worry too much about it yourself. Just continue to pursue what makes you happy, and don't worry too much about these definitions. Would be my personal suggestion, and I know that that is、uh, many people would disagree with me, but I've found a degree of comfort from. Like letting that go, at least. Yes, I totally agree with you on this one. <laughs> I have major reservations for any type of personality test, and well, I guess just the popularity of this particular one might have become a bit of a talking point of just you know a casual way to start a conversation in a way that I can sort of. 
be I'm all right, okay with. But if you're feeling this is kind of dictating the terms of your life, then that's not okay, in my opinion, you know? There are so many things I don't agree with this test. So one thing, people might selectively remember or give more weight to test results that confirm their preconceived notions about themselves while look overlooking inconsistencies. And that's just the standard and classic example of confirmation bias. And also forced binary choices in a way, anything that says this world is this or that, black or white, I'm just totally against that. Because this test, it basically groups people to either introverts or extroverts with the other three metrics um, being considered later. But most people, I think we're ambiverts. We are somewhere in the middle or of that two ends of spectrum. And I can give you so many examples like the late king of pop, rock and soul, Michael Jackson, was known to be a private and reserved individual in his personal life, which may suggest introverted tendencies. However, his stage persona and performances displayed larger-than-life extroverted qualities. And if I may give away my test results, I am apparently a ENTJ, which corresponds to the field marshal. Most commanding, apparently, is, <laughs> is, is a key term here. And ENTJs are apparently, this is according to the MBTI website, natural born leaders with strong desires to create order within organizations. They enjoy the challenge of solving difficult problems and enjoy understanding complex systems so that they can determine where improvement is possible. And I am so not that. I strongly protest. I don't even think that I am an extrovert. So anyhow, I'm just trying to say that uh, these personality tests can be kind of limiting in, I mean, when you don't even, well, I don't even agree with the test results. I just think that maybe sometimes we give too much credit to something that certainly is not worthwhile. But okay, let me just tell you, being an introvert itself isn't a limitation. It can be a superpower in its own unique way. And introverts are often reflective, deep thinkers who can who can form profound connections and ideas. And famous introverts include, apparently, Bill Gates, co-founder of Microsoft, and uh, he's often cited as an introvert who has made significant impact on the tech industry and philanthropy. And also, you see him giving talks, speeches, interact with all kinds of people. Not a problem at all. And also, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, she's spoken about being introverted and how this trait has helped her to create such detailed and imaginative works. So let's just celebrate all the wonderful qualities you bring to the table, introverted or not, which go far beyond any category. Shine on, my friend, in your own introspective way. And if you like what you hear, you can send us your voice memo to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com and you could be the voice in our next heart-to-heart -heart segment. Coming up next, Microsoft just threw a curveball into the tech world with their latest keyboard update, the AI Copilot Key. Is this the dawn of a new computing era or just a flash in the tech pan? Stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Wanna hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable 
where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable. It's me, He Young. I'm joined by Ding Hung and Josh Cotterell on today's show. Computer keyboards are making room for an artificial intelligence chatbot button as Microsoft introduces a new dedicated key to launch its AI tool, Copilot, on Windows 11 laptops and PCs. It's the first time Microsoft has made a major change to PC keyboards since 1994, before the internet really took off. Before smartphones, which says something about how humans and the economy adapt to new technologies. So, tell us what's going on. What can this new addition to the keyboard achieve? So basically, was the push of a, a special keyboard button. Windows 11 users can launch Microsoft's generative artificial intelligence tool, which is designed to do everything ranging from, say, helping you do the shopping for some、uh, particular items,、uh, to writing a short story,、uh, getting access to information, or planning a travel, or even planning a meal for your family. Um, it is not only the biggest change to Windows keyboards in almost 30、uh, years. It also is serving as a physical portal to this、uh, Copilot service, which can help people perform missions like summarizing documents, recommending music, and answering questions that you might、um, throw to, say, in a search engine or AI chatbot. So. This is really a step closer on the part of Microsoft towards putting its、uh, AI services in front of more than a billion Windows users, because we know Microsoft is、uh, investing in a very ardent manner into this, say, OpenAI,、mm. right? Yes.、Um, yeah, Microsoft has major stake in OpenAI, and that's you know the mother company, the parent company of. ChatGPT. So this Copilot key will live to the right of the spacebar and activate Microsoft Copilot, and will replace either the menu key or the right control key on some keyboards. And that's only if you want to change your keyboard. All right. So Josh, how big of a deal do you see this to be? There's certainly a lot of tech hype around it, and、um, feel free to geek、mm. out. Sure. Well, I think that. It certainly is symbolic of a changing relationship between humans and technology. Actually, Jared Spool, who was involved in designing some of the first PC keyboards in the early 1980s, reflected on the development of keyboard technology, and he noted that while early prototypes include features like a do key and a help key, which eventually actually fell out of favor, the core layout, like the inverted T arrow pad and QWERTY. Setup of of keyboards, right? The order of the keys has actually remained unchanged. But I think that this definitely request、um, symbolizes a big change、um, towards AI integration. And I, I think that personally, I think that it is really significant. I think that、um, we we don't really know what's going to happen here, but I imagine that these kind of adaptive keyboards are going to be able to. Integrate very individual typing habits and preferences. It's going to what AI is is computer learning, obviously. And if we have AI integrated into our keyboard, surely that is where we give 
the you know the system most of our knowledge in the way we type the speed at which we type the amount of words that we type um how often we type about this topic about this topic it's going to really be able to learn everything about us because ultimately that human interaction the human interaction designed with a computer is all through the keyboard i think that we've had keyboards so long in our computers that um it seems strange to imagine them changing too much because as i just mentioned they haven't changed that much since their you know initial start in the 1980s but i, I really do think that big changes on the horizon all right but what you just portrayed for us josh isn't necessarily here yet right is that no. what you're perceiving like for the future like right now with this new edition of an ai key it's just you know a shortcut to um to to light up your chatbot right sure mm. but i think yeah, no absolutely but sorry it, yeah but it is really interesting, you know, just uh, trying to imagine what this could be in the future. If everybody could have their own AI assistant that can tailor make your tools for you or whatnot. I mean, that's like, you know, for a human being to have wings. <laughs> Maybe I'm going a little bit too far. Um, Ding Hong, do you think we need a new key designed to open, you know, the AI chatbot with the single tap? Will it lead to more efficient workflows or could it potentially complicate the user experience for those accustomed to traditional keyboard layouts? I belong to the reserved camp, you know. Uh, now, first of all, regarding this very fact that Josh uh, mentioned earlier regarding this, say, this core layout like uh, inverted T arrow pad and a QWERTY setup has largely remained unchanged over the past few decades since the 1980s. I think really on the part of us users, on the part of human beings in general, there is really a resistance uh, kind of to change. There is a resistance to change because there is a user inertia. But on the other hand, we have to uh, acknowledge that um, humans will evolve and technologies will evolve in a faster manner than humans. So with regard to this question or debate regarding this efficiency, I think, yeah, in some cases in under some circumstances, um, this um, like a co-pilot key could indeed help us streamline certain missions, certain tasks, and therefore they can offer quicker access to AI for for the sake of data retrieval, automation of some repetitive, um, you know, day-to-day -day operations and troubleshooting, thereby potentially increasing our productivity. But uh, really, I think there is a there is a certain period for adjustment because really not everybody, including myself, can get used to this kind of new pattern of keyboard in a, in a very short while. Hmm. Your thoughts, Josh? Yeah, there's a lot of directions to take this, really, I, I guess. And I, and I guess a lot of it is speculation right now, as you quite rightly mentioned, He Yang. Um, and I think that also maybe it doesn't take into account that maybe we like our keyboards, you know, um, and <laughs> maybe maybe we like to have that interaction. I'm a bit skeptical about that because I do feel as though whenever we're given an easier option to do anything, it seems to be that we've taken it, right? Um, so, um, yeah, but I think that we don't know exactly yet what our keyboards will look like in the next 10 or 20 years. But I imagine that AI will probably work it out for us and tell us what the best solution is for all of this. 
I know something interesting that we haven't mentioned is mm. the the idea of haptics and tactile um, simulation and stimulation. So that's like other things like vibrations, especially. And I know that by stimulating different keys and things like this, you could have a more realistic typing feel and it could even prompt you to go in certain directions towards certain words and certain letters mm. and certain themes. It, it's all very um, abstract right now, right? And I guess that we just don't really know. But again, I imagine we're going to find out very, very soon. <laughs> hey, what you just said makes me think of maybe we've discussed this on the show before as well, because uh, I know for a fact that Lai Ming is super into specialized. Are they called mechanical keyboards? You know, they're supposed to make your tactile experience more enjoyable, I yeah. suppose. I don't get any of that. Um, they, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of keyboard can imitate a mimic environment for you. Like, uh, even though you're working in an office, sitting in an office, it feels like you are sitting alongside a river or in a forest. I okay. think that's my imagination. I wouldn't. <laughs> that's my perception. I wouldn't debate against that. It sounds amazing. <laughs> but certainly, um, I, I don't know if it's just the um, tech people or, or geeks out there who are into this, but people can be very serious about their keyboards. If you're into gaming, if you're into, I don't know, just your office computer experience. But Josh, I don't think that every shortcut is what we take when it comes to the keyboard. You would have thought, okay, if there's, you know, if there's a fast pass to cut corners, then we take it, right? But not so much with the keyboard. Let me just give you an example. There is a apparently menu key on the keyboard and I've never used it. I, I didn't even know that it exists. And I would also challenge you to just take a look at this computer keyboard. And there are a whole bunch of keys that I don't think we ever use. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe yeah. and also the ai copilot is not available on every computer not available in every region around the world so therefore um for it to really take off I think I have second thoughts about it. Ding Hung, um, how promising do you think the future is for this new addition to the old-fashioned keyboard, shall it be? Yeah, so again, I have a lot of reservation. <laughs> you know, initially, this new button arrived on the first wave of Windows 11 laptops and PCs of some of the partners of Microsoft in the days leading up to and during this year's CES, namely this International Consumer Electronics Show held in the U.S. city of Las Vegas annually. So I guess the imminent new line of Dell XPS laptops also features this particular new key. But over the long term, indeed, I have a lot of reservation because one question that remains to be addressed over the long term is, whether or not there is going to be continued innovation in this regard because um, feature keyboards, would you design it in a way to enable it to incorporate more specialized keys for different functions like multimedia control gaming or even some advanced AI interaction? Or would you choose more adaptability issue or customization issue? Uh, these are all issues for designers to think about. And with this introduction of the AI 
key in this industry. It might seem to be signaling a deeper integration of AI to everyday computing. How do you think this will shape the future of personal computing? And what potential benefits or challenges do you anticipate as AI becomes more embedded in our daily tech interactions? Well, I think the main fear has always been with AI is that it's going to take away certain jobs, right? If Especially when it comes to predictive typing. And it won't just be predictive typing. We haven't really spoken too much about something that also requires human interface, human interaction, which is like design, for example. People who work in the creative industry, especially when it comes to visual design, if we have a keyboard that can be used to analyze and monitor emotion and tone and things like this, I think that a lot of them are also going to help us when it comes to designing certain products, when it comes to designing art and things like this. So I think that there is a bit of concern that possibly it's going to be too easy. We can already see <laughs> this with AI generated vid video and, and pictures, mm. right? So I think there's definitely some concern there, the usual terrifying fears that we all have when it comes to AI. But the benefits are huge. I think one really interesting thing that I've read about before this show is something like real-time translation. Mm. Being an expat living in China and trying to always navigate the very difficult waters of the translation between Mandarin Chinese and English, which are two, as you guys know, being fluent in English, two very, very different languages that are often impossible to translate. Having that real-time translation in a keyboard is going to be uh, make things a lot easier for us to communicate with people from different cultures and speaking different languages, not just people living in those countries. But I think, you know, when it comes to e-commerce as well, I think that it's going to help a lot of markets become more international and things like this. Again, mm -hmm. the, the con of that is that it may become oversaturated and uh, it monopolized and certain companies are going to dominate these markets. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, Again, it's it's such a massive topic that it's quite difficult to pinpoint specific things, right? Yeah, it is. And while the addition of the AI key might seem minor in the context of physical hardware changes, its implications for user interaction, technological trends, and the democratization of AI technology could be far-reaching. And... Whether this key becomes an indispensable tool or a forgotten feature, let's check again next year, <laughs> and it marks a significant moment in the evolution of personal computing. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell and Ding Hong for joining the discussion. And I'm He Young. We'll see you next time. Ever worry that you'll miss out on breaking events? Tune in to today to get the latest news and analysis on the important stories in China and around the globe. Today, illuminating the news that matters to you. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes!
5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. <laughs>